you take your seats, I invite you to turn in God's holy and inspired word uh, back to Matthew chapter 6. We will once again read verses 5 through 14. The title of the sermon this morning is Prayer, Our Heavenly Orientation of Worship and Mission. Prayer, Our Heavenly Orientation of Worship and Mission. Jesus says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray. O Father, help us to hear the words of Christ. Help us to to open the depths of who we are to allow those words words to, to sink deeply within us and to take up roots that that send send their their roots down deep and but also give forth a harvest, a thousandfold. As the fruit of your Spirit is produced within us as we receive your word and as we live as a people of prayer. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Both Sunday school... Um, lessons today, whether you were upper youth or with the adults, or if you were part of the younger youth, were both two different lessons that brought together the theme of the sermon today. As we continue to work through the, the, the Sermon on the Mountain, as we're working through the, the Lord's Prayer here, we, we come to that first petition of the prayer, hallowed be your name. Now, whether you were watching R.C. Sproul or whether you were participating um, with the biggest story, what what both lessons were were helping us to see to, get, to, to see today is just how important the name of God is to to who He is and to what He is doing and how that has played itself out and 
creating us, how that has played itself out in redeeming us, but also the natural tendency that we as sinners have in wanting to compete with God where we want our name to be great rather than embracing our calling to be those who participate with God as he reveals his name as great. Why did, did God create us? It was, did he need us? Is his praise dependent upon us? Is his glory dependent upon us? No, he made us to benefit from knowing him. He created us to know him, to enjoy him, to glorify him, to participate in in the self-glorification that has always existed within Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let that hit you for a second, that God has always existed. There is never a point in time in which God didn't exist, and He has always existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And He has always existed as Father, Son, Holy Spirit within the perfection of, of the loving union and communion that is the mystery of the Trinity. God has always been glorifying Himself and enjoying Himself. That has always been happening. He didn't create in order for that to begin. He created in order to draw others into what he has always existed as doing and being. God, throughout the scriptures, sums this up with this, with this phrase of, of his name. What does it mean for God to reveal his name What does it mean for the people of God to embrace Him through His name? What does it mean for the covenant people to ratify that covenant by taking upon ourselves God's name? Why is it that when God promised redemption and in the promise of the new covenant in Ezekiel 36 that we read earlier, why is it that even there in the promise of the second exodus, Right, The first exodus was covered by R.C. Sproul this morning. But there was the need for a second exodus as God's people were being sent out because of their idolatry. And, and God had sent them out of, of his land. And he had sent them out of the promised land and had sent them to the nations. You want to worship like the nations? Well, then go live with them. You want to have the values of the nations? Go live with them. You want to live according to the purposes of the nations? Go live with them. You will not profane my temple any longer. You will not profane my land any longer. And he sends them out. And what do the people of God do as they are out there? Well, it's not repent. It is to continue what they were still doing. 
And so God, in Ezekiel 36, he says, I sent you out, and now you're profaning my name out there too. And so for the sake of my name, I am going to bring you back. And I'm going to sprinkle you clean. And I'm going to give you new hearts. And I'm going to cause you to walk according to who I am, what I am doing, and who you are as my covenant people. God has created to spread the fame of his name. God is redeeming to spread the fame of his name. And what did we declare from the very beginning of the service? From Isaiah 26, but that the people of God, as we are waiting for the fullness of God's kingdom purposes to be revealed, we wait as those who the desire of our heart is His name and His renown. Let me put it to you a different way. We exist for worship and mission. We exist to spread the fame of God's name within our own hearts, within our own families, within our own church, within our community, within our state, our country, and around the globe. We exist to participate in what God is doing in spreading the fame of his name, where his name and his renown is the heart's desire that God has and that we have been drawn to participate in. When Jesus tells us here to begin our prayers by praying to our Heavenly Father, He has already given us a polemic encountering the natural tendency that you and I have of wanting to make our own names great instead of God's name great. By the way, what did the children look at? They looked at the Tower of Babel. And what was the problem with the Tower of Babel? The people wanted to make a tower so that their name would be great. They wanted their renown to be known. And so rather than than go out into the world and be fruitful and multiply, they were sticking right together. And they were using that that unity that, that they had, not only in disobedience to God, but they were using it to further that disobedience with making their own name great. And so God in his mercy came down and he broke that up and he confused the languages and he sent people out. We have a tendency to want to make our name great when the calling we have is to participate with God as he is making his name great. Now what does this look like? Well, when you, one of the ways that we express wanting to make our name great 
is that we will pray in such a way as to be admired by men. But what does Jesus call that? He calls that hypocrisy. If you're praying to make your name great, rather than praying to participate in God making his name great, then you've got your earthly reward, but you do not have a heavenly reward. One of the other ways that we do this is by using many words and trying to manipulate God into caring about what we care about, trying to manipulate God into doing what we want him to do. And so like the Gentiles, the pagans, we we will say lots and lots of things because we think if, if we just use enough words, we can get God to do what we want. You see, in both of these, Jesus is countering what he understands to be the grand narrative of what is going on in the world ever since the fall. God made us in order for us to participate with him in making his name great, but instead we have chosen to make our own name great. And even the people of God, when when we come into the covenant people, we still wrestle with wanting to make our name great, and we will even use things like prayer. We will use things like worship. We will use uh, the, the different religious practices of the Christian faith as a way of building our own name up. And so Jesus has already been confronting this in us, and then he has called us to pray uh, instead of uh, those ways, to pray to our Father is, who is in heaven, to, to lift our eyes and our hearts away from ourselves and to the one who is eternal and transcendent, the one who is limitless in his power and his purposes, but also the one who has revealed himself intimately as Father. And so what do we do when we've oriented ourselves to to this heavenly Father? The first petition that Jesus tells us that we are to pray is not about us. It is about God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, Before we go any further, one of the things that we tend to do with this prayer, as we'll say, you know, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? And what we often forget or, or don't realize is the phrase on earth as it is in heaven is modifying all three of these first petitions. Hallowed be your name on earth as it is hallowed in heaven. Your kingdom come as your kingdom already exists in heaven. Your will be done on earth as your will is already being done in heaven. The on earth as it is in heaven, it modifies all of these opening petitions because it is, it is, what, it is a summary of what God is doing. He did not create the heavens and the earth for them to remain separated. He did not not create them to be two separate realms. But his purposes were always for these realms to be brought together into one. Where the fullness of who God is 
would, would be experienced in its fullness on earth. Sin has, has created the problems here for sure. But what God is doing in overcoming sin in Jesus Christ is he is overcoming this false dichotomy that exists between these realms and is reminding us that the work of Christ is not just spiritual things. It's not just spiritual truth and ideas that are to be believed that don't have concrete realities. What the fullness of God's kingdom will look like, it will be something that can be seen and touched and felt and tasted. And that's what we are praying for. We are praying, hallowed be your name on earth as your name is already being hallowed in the heavenly places. This first petition is a petition of where we are, are offering a prayer of praise, adoration, wonderment, reverence, and awe. Do you want to, to get your heart off of making your name great and to get your heart set on making God's name great? you start with actually practicing making his name great through the activity of praise. Praise that is caught up in wonder and awe. It is praise that is caught up in the mystery of who God is and what he is doing and for some reason why we are part of this. We, we see this prayer of praise, adoration, wonderment, reverence, and awe. We see this at different times throughout the Scripture. And for the last several weeks here in our services, we have been using different passages from the Old Testament and the New where we are given these glimpses into the heavenly places to be able to see and hear what is taking place there. And what we know is taking place there is, is that there are these special creatures who have been designed to, to be there before the throne of God where they have six wings, two of which are used to keep their faces covered, where they cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. The whole Earth is filled with your glory. You read throughout Revelation as, as we have read, uh, used passages from Revelation 4, Revelation 5, I think Revelation 1, today Revelation 7, where we can hear the angels and departed saints who are gathered around the throne. And what is it that they are crying out? They are crying out these songs and these prayers of praise in which they are in wonder of who God is and, and, and telling Him, you are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of, of, all, of, of, of wealth and power and dominion. What will we be doing forevermore when we enter into the fullness 
of who we are in Christ, whether that is that we die and, and we go to join that service there, or when that service comes here, when everything is made new, what will we do? We will spend our eternity living in the praise and glory of the wonder and awe of who God is. And it will take over our hearts and our minds and our wills so that we are taking up with participating with God in making His name great. It's not that we're making it great as if it's not. It is making it great through the perfect sinless recognition of that greatness. And beloved, what Jesus is telling us is even now, while we are waiting as the name and renown of the Lord is the desire of our hearts, we begin our prayers orienting ourselves to this reality. Because if we don't, we will pray like the hypocrites or we will pray like those who try to manipulate God. We will make ourselves the focus of our prayers. Because what we will do when we pray is we will say, help me, help me, help me. Is there anything wrong with praying, help me? No, absolutely not. The last three petitions, that's what we're praying for, praying for God's help. Now, we don't pray, help me, help me, help me. We pray, help us, help us, help us. But we start with praise. We start with hearts that are pondering and reflecting upon and desiring the wonder, the awe, the mystery of God's glory and holiness. Is this how you pray? Is this how you spend your time in prayer? How much of your prayer is spent here versus spent on other things. And it's not that I'm saying that there has to be a percentage. But what do you find yourself really focusing in on in your prayers? Are your prayers reactionary? Are your prayers in reaction to the things that are happening in your life, the things that are going on around you, the things that are happening in your family or in your church or in the world? Is, is, that, is it that when something happens, then you pray? Or is the intention of your existence one in which you proactively throughout the day set your hearts on this eternal purpose and calling of participating in the hallowing of God's name that is already taking place in heaven by doing that here on earth? Our worship, is that what we're doing here this morning? Have we come with the purposeful intention of reorienting ourselves once again that this is who we are as the people of God, drawn together as we live before the throne of God in the perfection of the mediation of Jesus Christ, that this is who we truly are. 
and that this is what we long for, and that this is what we long to participate in, not just for an hour. I know some of you are saying it's never just an hour. I get that. There, I made your point for you. But is this what has captured the imagination of our faith? Or do we have all these other things that are going on out there? And we come here looking for God to give us something to help us with that. Our prayers begin with a conscious recognition that we are participating in heavenly adoration, heavenly wonderment, heavenly reverence, heavenly awe. And it is only then that we can get to the petitions that have to do with us. Think about it. It's only when our hearts have been rightly oriented to the heavenly existence and purposes and meaning of the triune God that we can then rightly confess our sins or, or pray about ourselves. That we can then you know, ask the Lord to, to help us with the things that we need. It is only when we are rightly oriented to who God is and what He is doing and who we are to God and, and, and the participation that we have with Him that we can then rightly know what to confess and what to ask for. And so we understand that our prayers, they, they, they bring us and a conscious participation into the heavenly worship. And our adoration draws us into living lives of worship. Not just worship that's gathered here on the Lord's Day, but the worship of offering ourselves to God as as sacrifices that are a pleasing aroma as we give ourselves to God throughout the week. Prayer is an activity of worship. By the way, as we are part of the Reformed heritage, we, we trace our heritage back, back to, to Knox and the Presbyterianism of, of Scotland. Do you know what he called his liturgy as he reformed the worship in Scotland? He called it the form of prayers. And, and Knox was continuing in that reformed tradition that was coming from the continent as he was discipled by John Calvin in Geneva and as he participated in the, in the ministry that was happening in Geneva. And do you know what Calvin called his liturgy? When the people would gather together on the Lord's Day for a worship service, he called it the form of ecclesiastical prayers. They saw the worship of the church being a participation in the praying of the heavenly places and that there are different prayers that we move through as we move through the service. And the very first prayer that has always been part of the Reformed tradition and through the Reformed tradition in recapturing what the practice of the early church was is we begin with praise and wonder and adoration. 
We do this as God's people in our corporate worship. We do this as God's people in our family and private worship during the week. Jesus is telling us from the very beginning here what prayer does is it orients us, not just to our Father who is in heaven, but our participation in the glory and enjoyment of God in the heavenly places. And if you fill your hearts and your minds and your wills with that participation, it will change the rest of your praying. And it will change how you interpret and experience everything in your life. Why do we pray? If God already knows, right, as our Father, if he already knows what we're going to ask before we do so, Why do we pray? Well, C.S. Lewis says, because prayer changes us. And beloved, that's what each and every one of us needs. We need to be changed. We need to get outside of our self-centered experience and interpretation of what is going on in our everyday lives in order to rightly orient ourselves to the eternal existence and purposes of God so that we interpret what we're experiencing and what is happening to us on a daily basis. We are experiencing it through that lens. And so when we pray, we pray, hallowed, be your name. Worship is a hallowing of God's name. That worship is happening in the heavenly places. And you and I, through the mediation of Christ, we get to participate in that here on earth. And there is a day coming when there will not be that bifurcation between the two, but there will be one. One service of worship where the saints in the fullness of our new bodies, in the fullness of the perfection of Christ, will be made fit to dwell in God's unmediated glory forevermore. So what are we doing in missions? If worship is our participation in that heavenly hallowing of God's name, worship or missions is taking that worship out to the nations so that some from every tribe, tongue, and nation, as we see described in Revelation 7, will be there clothed in the white robes of the perfection of Christ's righteousness. We're together with one voice. We will praise and adore and live in the wonderment and awe of the triune God. And so whether it is our praying in terms of our participation in worship or it is our praying as as we are participating in the mission of God, beloved, set your hearts and minds and will on your participation of what is happening in the heavenly places as as you are participating in it here on earth and as we take this from this place and we take it out throughout the world. Why? 
are we doing trail life on Monday nights? Why are we doing American, uh, American Heritage Girls on Monday nights? Why do we do ESL on Tuesday nights? Why are we doing youth group on Wednesday nights? And why are we doing men's Bible study and women's Bible study? Why do we do these things? Why do you give money to the church? Why are we buying property and building buildings? Why? 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 Because this is all a participation of manifesting here on earth what is already true in the heavenly places. And there is nothing greater for you to give yourself to in your marriage, in your parenting, in your fellowship, in your participation, in your vocation, whether you're a student or you have a job or whatever it is that you do, that all of it is done with this conscious recognition that from the moment I, I, my eyes are open to the new day, they have been opened so that I, participating with the church, participating with the angels and departed saints, participating with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may hallow God's name on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, there are so many different things that are competing for our, our hearts and minds and our wills. So many things to give our attention to. And many of them are good. Some of them are even better. But we do not always have our hearts set on what is best. And so forgive us for the many ways that we live our lives and even try to use you to make our names great. But instead, Lord, take us up into the mystery of the Trinity and participate with you as you are making your name great and spreading the fame of your name throughout history and throughout the world. Help us to truly embrace each day with this conscious purpose of our lives, that we exist to hallow your name on earth as it is already being hallowed in the heavenly places. Fill us with such wonder and awe that we would indeed expect great things from you and attempt great things so that your fame and your renown would be known in our lives and in this church and in this community and throughout the world. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.